I don't think we've met before, but I'm the referee on this field. Leinster could offer me five mil a year, I wouldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie Robbie weekly. Little reverse pass. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 42 Rugby Weekly on Six Nations Eve. Eve, I think. But the excitement is absolutely palpable. I'm looking at Murray Kinsler and Bernard Jackman here. They're ready to go. Hello to everybody on YouTube if you're joining us there. And to everybody at home if you're listening through conventional means as a podcast. Uh, start with yourself, Murray. Um, how excited are you when you see that Ireland team named? Anything jump out at you as a surprise given you do hear whispers of these things during the week? Yeah, well, when I first heard that Mac Hansen might be starting, it was a, it was a surprise to me. I suppose I'm still kind of stuck in a bit of a mindset of what it was like before and that the next person in line comes in and, and you'd seen Robert Balakun have a start in November in the Argentina game and I probably had been f- feeling and, and even predicted that he might be the one to come in on the wing and Andrew Conway might switch over but you see the selection and you think that actually makes more sense. He's probably more of a like-for-like replacement for James Lowe and the role he was playing in terms of the amount of touches, the number of touches he was getting on the ball, off his wing the, I suppose, versatility in, in how Hansen can play. And just, I suppose, it's almost represents a little bit of a punt by Farrell. He's, he's more inclined to do that kind of thing. You know, he spoke about it in November, how he doesn't want his wingers to be too tidy. That was how he described Lowe. And I thought it was a really fascinating insight. And Hansen gives you something different, something really exciting. Obviously, seeing James Hume on the, the bench as well is is exciting there, Ryan Baird, those younger guys coming in and, and impacting in, in a 23. So absolutely, yeah, there's loads of excitement there, even in the the more expected selections, like the pack, again, it just excites me what they can do together as a unit with their skills and with their power and their size. So definitely excited. You didn't come up with a nickname yet for the front three, did you? I put it on Twitter. I haven't checked back to see what, what people have suggested. So maybe we'll um, announce that officially before the weekend. <laughs> that sounds good. Bert, I want to ask you about Mac Hansen to begin with. Um, probably the most interesting name that jumps out of the starting 15, at least. And a player that, I don't mean to keep harping on about it, but when he signed for Connacht, the two of you were a little bit uncertain as to whether or not he would be the kind of signing that they needed, or, excuse me, that he would bring the, the type of quality that I quite criti- correctly predicted he would. But uh, <laughs> No, I know, in all seriousness, talk, talk to us about his development even over the last say six months and what you've seen from him this season because this is a pretty meteoric rise when you think about it and for a guy to be relatively unheralded by everybody to come over and now to be starting on Ireland's left wing huge rise and in fairness I've got to know him a little bit he's a he's a a really engaging character um he kind of is the same off the field as the way he plays on it um and he is he's definitely not tidy um if that's what Faz is looking for um but he has a lot of impacts um, he's been really good. It's going to be so, so interesting to see if he can step up to the next level, um, and how Ireland use him. I mean, you know, James Lowe was was used for his left foot. He was uh, at full back a lot. I don't think Hansen really will will be that far in field, but he'll certainly come and and look to pick up little scraps off Gibson Park around the breakdown. I'd say as far as the twenty meters in, um, and he's deceptively strong. He breaks a lot of tackles. Um, I'm not sure. He's certainly not bad at clearing speed, but um, he, he he breaks more than his fair share of tackles, uh, gets his hands free a lot, and yeah, it's a good call. It does make more sense to go with a guy who's playing left wing all the time than move someone across. But I, I was a little bit shocked by it. I thought Balakluna Conway would would be the wings, but I'm, I'm excited to see how how Hansen steps up to international rugby, and it's it's a great story for anyone who's um, you know not not really feeling it or or, or 
their career isn't going as well as they would have liked. Um, you know, his his ability to to come over here and and do what he's done is incredible. You're you're right to flag that because I'll definitely put my hand up. I did not see this kind of impact coming at all from him. I definitely wouldn't be a good rugby scout. Um, it transpires, but but fair play to Andy Friend and Connacht. They got that connection and I, I think even Andy Friend said himself this week he probably didn't quite see this impact coming that try against the Bulls where he took off upfield that made him sit up and go wow something special has happened here and when a player is on that kind of trajectory you, you kind of just let them run and, and run with it and that's what Farrell's doing here it's an incredible story like I interviewed him towards the start of the season and he was talking about how he's working as an apprentice electrician only a few years ago in Canberra like he wasn't a he played our our rather Australia under 20s but he wasn't 100% dead set on being a superstar rugby player in, in his mind the academy system he explained was a bit different over there so you had to have something else going on but he said he was the worst electrician in Canberra and so he decided to go all in on rugby packed it in took a bit of a punt I suppose and even financially a bit of a risk but it's worked out well for him he rose up with the the Brumbies and then he he drinks. He was drinking in a local bar in Canberra called The Rock, I think it's called, and, and Andy Friend's son works there, uh, his son Jackson. They became mates, and the owner of the bar, I think, knows Andy Friend as well, and that's where the connection came. And Diane O'Shea's mother is from Castle Martyr in County Cork and moved over to Oz when she was seven. So there's all these amazing strands to it. And as Birch says, like his personality is infectious. He's probably like low in that sense as well. Even the post-match interviews, you see he's very relaxed and and doesn't take it too seriously but he's a serious rugby player and he has that bit of vis- versatility as well I think his preferred pis- position actually he said was was fullback that's where he wants to play um and he's played a bit of <clears throat> bit of rugby at 10 as well so clearly if you're going to have a guy roaming around the pitch then that that's pretty helpful as well um so yeah an incredible story and it'll be just fascinating to see won't it like because there's still a bit of always with a player stepping up you just don't know exactly how it's going to go who he's going to face in a one-on-one out wide or or how many touches he's going to get in the ball. So really exciting to find out. The three of us are doing a Six Nations preview live on Zoom later on with Squidge. And actually just as we started recording where we got a question from one of the 42 members who will be on that call with us, Michael Halpenny. And he was asking uh, if there was any chance we could do a little bit of analysis on Hansen. I presume he means kind of video analysis. Might be a bit late in the day for that because I know you guys are fairly well prepared. But if I could just uh, ask you, Bernard, to even zoom in a little bit on what he will actually bring, I suppose, not only as an individual player, which, like, because we know, as you say, he can break tackles, he has a bit of pace, he's a good finisher. But what I love, what I love about watching him is his actual link-up play, and and we probably don't see a great deal, probably more so from the modern winger. But that's probably, to my mind, where he's a, a very good replacement for Lowe is actually keeping attacks alive with an offload and and the timing of his passes, just little things like that that um that could see him actually contribute and actually bring other guys into play, make them look good as well as himself. Yeah, I think 100%. I think, uh, you know, as, as you and Murray have alluded to, he is the most like for like with, with James Lowe without being obviously that big, big man out of a left foot. But he does bring other people into the game. And I think Ireland's game um, is, is becoming more focused on that um, and not, not dying with the ball, um, even though we've got a very high rook. Um, uh, 
number number of rooks in, in games. We we are trying to trying to keep the ball alive, trying to um, get our nose through contact and 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 support runners are running positive lines. So it's he's definitely somebody who can do that. Um, and I think he'd be a crazy ten. I'd I'd love to see him play ten. Uh, I I didn't actually know until recently that he he had played a lot of rugby at ten. But uh, um, yeah, look at it. It's just. It's a big occasion for him. I just hope he goes out and, and does himself just as he does what he does week week in week out. But um, yeah, it's that it's that ability to pl- stay on his feet. I think which is what probably got him to not. He's beaten more defenders than anyone in the URC as well, and run for more meters. Like he's he's an attacking threat in his own right when he's one on one, or even two on two, or, or whatever it might be. So they'll be looking to get him touches on the ball. And sometimes you think he's going to get tackled here, but. He just has a, an uncanny ability to kind of wriggle his way out or shift his body weight slightly and the tackler just slips off him. And that's a really uh, intuitive skill. I'd say he finds it hard to describe sometimes how he's done what he's done. Even after that Bulls try, I think he said it was just a blur. I, I'm not sure what happened just now. Um, and again, that's refreshing and, and exciting. Murray, James Hume talked the talk a couple of months ago and now he's walking the walk. I'm delighted for him as well. I think most Irish rugby fans would be. When you actually hear a guy being as... Uh, out in the open about his international aspirations and the fact that he wanted to be involved now and he didn't see himself just as being a prospect and that he and that he's delivered on that as well uh, and he's in the squad yeah talk about form and an upward trajectory he's exactly uh, an illustration of that um ju- just to know andy farrell's due to speak at 4 p.m we're recording here what 2 15 i just after hearing that robbie henshaw and keith Harris had injury issues this week so we'll find out more about that for, for sure at 4 p.m but that's not to take away from the excitement about this selection. And you'd just love to see him get a good stint off the bench, wouldn't you? 20 minutes or whatever it might be to get a few touches because he is someone who just wants and demands the ball. He's got incredible footwork. His offloading ability is really sharp. Defensively, he's just continued to grow as a force as well, making really proactive reads and has obviously benefited from working at Jared Payne, uh, the defensive coach in Ulster, guiding him and probably just backing him and his confidence has always been there but it's definitely grown and grown this season um so yeah brilliant to see another i suppose contender in the mix um and another option for ireland like he was definitely vying even to and pushing even to to play as he said in november he wasn't too happy not to get involved and he's gone away and done his talking on the pitch so i really hope we see a good um a good cameo from him uh, on saturday how do you anticipate he might make that step up the test level birch does he have the minerals yeah i think he has he's got loads of speed um uh good skill set good footwork yeah he, he looks he looks like he's ready made for it and, and I, i'd imagine he'll He'll get a start against Italy, I'd like to think. Um, but it's, it's just great to see, you know, young players, new players coming on the scene um, and, and pushing their way in uh, into into the Irish team, which is which is very strong. And, and it would have been easy probably not to to go a little bit more conservatively. But I, I admire Farrell for for showing bravery in a selection. Anything else jump out at you about that Ireland team, Bert? It is pretty much as expected otherwise. I'd imagine we spoke last week about the little battle between Carberry and Carty for that backup 10 spot. Carberry gets it. I know we said last week it would have been great to see Carty rewarded for his brilliant provincial form, but difficult not to be pleased as well for Carberry, who's had a tough time of it and is back sooner than we expected. Um, would you have any fears of, of giving him 20 minutes or do you think Johnny Sexton is going to have to play, put in sort of 70 or so and you just ease Carberry back into it? No, I'd, I'd say they'd be looking to, the game is going in a positive way um, to bring to bring Joey on um, and, and, you know, make sure that he's gets through that, get some game time in his legs for obviously um, next week. It depends if we, if 
if if, the, if we're in a comfortable position, which isn't um, you know a given by any manner of means. That uh, but I think that would be the plan. Would be to get twenty minutes into him and and obviously give give Johnny a little bit of a break, but just make sure Joey's right where they need him to be. They've generally got had a a twenty three who's kind of a maybe an. A, you know, recognise wing and, and also covers 13 in Earls probably most recently. Hume and Ringrose probably have a bit of experience there, but not wings by, by any means. So, you, you know, you're always playing for worst case scenario. That is a potential uh, one of them. But um, there's there's just so much to be excited about it with it. As I said, Baird again getting another chance. Henderson, we presuming, didn't quite get the clearance with his ankle and he hasn't played for a long time. But we saw Baird in, in that Argentina match, the, the big line break he made. has been working really hard in the other areas of his game to to improve those. And then I suppose Gibson Park continue at nine. It's what we expected, certainly, but he gets backed again for a, a Six Nations and that's another big, I suppose, achievement and milestone for him at nine. And another indicator that this is the, the style of nine that they really want to push forward with. So fascinating to see how the, I suppose, game plan and approach from Ireland evolves or otherwise because everyone's had a couple of months to scout them really intently um to really get a, a grip on on what they're doing in phase attack and even in the argentina game i thought you saw elements of that where it wasn't quite as fluid because defensively argentina got a bit more pressure on them so it'd be fascinating to see how ireland have looked to kind of layer up on what they did in november that was actually going to be my next question for birch we've probably seen a past iteration of this ireland team stagnate probably because teams did figure out ways and means of stopping them uh, and and just that they didn't seem to evolve to the extent that you need to at this level so how do you actually progress even things like phase play in a training camp birch like does it have to become more sophisticated or is it more so you just need to change the picture if you know what i mean yeah i think it's uh, it's gonna be around decision making to be honest the way the way they're, they're set up to play um there should more often than not be a soft shoulder um somewhere uh, and that doesn't mean that you have to always pass sometimes that can be the carry um but you know i don't think that the shapes will change a huge amount it's just getting better at making reads later and dealing with as murray said you know that really aggressive d let's be honest you know new zealand aren't uh, uh they're not a, a very aggressive defensive team they um they're traditionally an up and out um they have got a little bit more aggressive but um argentina certainly brought some heat there with, with some shooters and, and they sent us back inside a lot whereas a big part of this is being able to get into the 15 meter channel and then have a reload outside that so off that so if you're if you do get caught playing within the 15s um it can be a little bit claustrophobic and, and, and certainly wales and getting jenkins who's who obviously we came in last year to, to um to replace byron haywood um as defense coach uh he's gone back to the sean edwards um type system so they, they'd certainly want one ireland to get easy ball to the edges um which may means we you know we have to play a little bit narrower but um, at the start to punch holes uh, play true or forwards instead of playing at the back um, but that's all that's all what Faz, Farrell and, and Cat will want is to is to get exposed to different types of defences and um, you know continuously improve our decision making and our, our execution um, so that we're more of an all round team I mean the, the, it was great in November but three games you know when New Zealand were tired Argentina were uh, tired and Japan weren't probably match ready um it's a very small pool of of games to say that we're you know we're 100 percent there i think the six nations you know with eight games in total i think that'll be a much better 
um, test test of, of how far we've come. Murray, to what extent are you frightened by the number of people writing Wales off? I can't remember uh, Six Nations in which more people have been so sure that Wales are going to be bad. Even the Welsh media are sort of saying this could be... Uh, I guess the the end of something in one sense, but the start of probably anarchy in another. Uh, and I've seen even Irish rugby pundits, columnists, I think, come out saying like this should be a comfortable win for Ireland. And I'm not even superstitious, but I am like, what the hell are you doing? You know, what, I mean? what are you doing? Have you learned nothing yeah. from history? <laughs> Worrying that it's being cursed. Well, like I've been on the Wales media uh, today and Tuesday, and they're absolutely loving it. You, you can see the little glint in their eye when it's brought up every time, as it has been with every single player and coach, about how they're they're underdogs for it. Like it's easy fodder for Pivac and and his coaching staff to be prodding and prompting their players with. And in fairness, Stephen Jones kind of underlined there on Tuesday that they still do have world class players. Like you look at Lewis Rees Samet freakish freakish talent his try obviously last weekend uh, for for Gloucester was just remarkable and a real reminder of what he can do um but they are li- listen like objectively speaking they are missing a lot of highly experienced important players who would have been starting this game indeed who started their their six nations winning campaign last year and that's where I suppose the pessimism has has come from um I probably wouldn't have as strong a confidence in in Ireland um as others have I definitely think they will win the game and and they should win the game but there's still quality in in that Welsh team um even without the experienced grizzled figures there there's a different kind of excitement like I look at their back row of Ellis Jenkins Tane Basham and Aaron Wainwright Birch you'll you'll be able to fill us in on their specific skill sets but they're obviously different from the Tipperick Faletau Lydiots um Navidis that we all know so well from from years of of top class performances but they're excellent rugby players as well and as we know the the Wales jersey just has a like they turn into supermen don't they when they pull it on and they turn into different players and all the regional stuff like we don't even really need to go over it again it, it's it's insignificant really when it comes to this weekend so absolutely there are warranted reasons for the confidence in Ireland and that's also about how Ireland played in November and what they did and, and how they're attacking it and also their relative clean bill of health but yeah Wales still have some quality there and Six Nations rugby you can never be too confident I don't think Talk to us about that Welsh back Robert Yeah it's it's very well balanced um, Wainwright burst on the scene as a, as a six um, he's he's also able to play seven, but um, Pivac def, uh, definitely felt that um, behind Toby Faltow there was a bit of a gap, so he's converted him now to being an eight. He's very athletic. Um, he was a very good football or soccer player with Cardiff City until he was about sixteen. Um, big engine, powerful, um, and you know, pretty, very direct. To be honest, he, he's direct. Whereas Basham. Basham is, I think Basham is class. Um, he's got a low, great footwork, great speed, um, good power, and then Jenkins. Um, Jenkins is is a leader, um, good on the ground. You know, a, um, a grafter and and uh, can make big plays. So they like they're they're strong there. It's probably the front fives. I think that um, Ireland will be hoping to to get a advantage over Adam Beard is, is obviously vice captain and you know was on the British and Irish Lions tour and a, and a very experienced and good player but I'm not sure Will Rowlands um, I know he, he, he was ex-WAS went to the Dragons um, you know I don't think him Ryan Elias um, Wynn Jones uh, and Tom Francis I, I think front five is the area um, where we have we have the we should hopefully have some dominance 
Murray, what do you make of Josh Adams in midfield? Can he play centre and uh, is it a, an area that Ireland could potentially exploit given his relative lack of experience there? Yeah, they'll be considering it that way, I'm, I'm sure. He's obviously a, an outstanding wing and has played a bit there for, for Cardiff and even I think once in the, the November series as well. So has a little bit of, of recent experience in the position, but it's very different when you're um, trying to deal with a, an attack like Ireland's who can now play with width and you've got to make a lot of tackles in that channel. You've got to be really nailed on your communication. You're in a slightly different slot. Listen, he's he's, a, he's an excellent rugby player and um, obviously Wales have had success with moving George North into that position before and, and that's something that Pivak is hoping will be a... I suppose, an example for, for Adams. But with himself and Tompkins in, cent- in the centre, it doesn't look like a huge strength for, for Wales. And obviously that's an area of real strength for Ireland. As we said, Henshaw possibly carrying a, a knock, but Aki and Ringrose uh, both playing really good rugby and they'll be absolutely determined to to make that a, a big kind of advantage um, tactically on, on the pitch. So yeah, it is a slightly reshuffled backline. There's still a lot of threat in it as well. McNichol obviously is a really exciting attacking player. I think defensively he's had a few slips here and there at a test level, certainly. Um, but th- there's a lot of danger in, in, in the backline. Even uh, Thomas Williams at, at nine has been playing really good rugby. And I actually think um, Squidge is going to maybe chat a bit about that later on in our, on our member show. Um, so yeah, there's attacking threats to be concerned about, but I do think Ireland will will look at that as a, a relative weakness, I suppose. They were looking to get Willis Halaholo back to the Welsh, but he obviously hasn't made it uh, back in time. John Davies is there and was looking for cap 100, actually test cap 100, but he misses out on selection as they back uh, Adams there at 13. So what kind of a game from Andy Farrell, from Mike Cat and Cole Birch will allow Ireland to win this game? even comfortably or, or just get the job done and what kind of a game should they try to avoid um that would potentially allow Wales into it even this sounds a little bit too presumptuous but um i'm just going to ask it anyway yeah look i think we've got to continue to play um high tempo and, and look, he's picked a team um to do that so gibson park is in there gibson park is a decent kicker but his strength is getting the ball away from the breakdown, drawing in defenders, putting people into into little holes, getting on the front foot. And we have so many ball carriers now. Um, uh, like, it'd be a shame to have them playing a, a kick chase or, or an aerial um, contest type game. I, I think we need to play to their strengths. Um, got footballers, um, guys who can win collisions. And I think that's what we need to do uh, and lay down a mark. I, I'm not sure... How confident they look! Look, they certainly believe that the Welsh jersey uh, they can beat anybody. But it's a tough away game first up. If we play to the form we're in, problems are going in um, on uh, 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 in good form. Confidence should be high. So go and play with confidence and test test out their um, ability to to stop you. I think that's. I'd be shocked if we if we try to play kind of percentage rugby. I'd like to see us, um, you know, being uh, being ambitious. As I say, we are going to discuss some of the other countries involved in this competition on that call with Squidge later on. It's members.the42.ie, by the way, if you want to join us and you will be invited straight to that show. We're kicking off at 8 o'clock. But Murray, just to broaden it out slightly, maybe not even talk specifically about teams, but are there any players this season that you're actually really looking forward to seeing from, say, England, Scotland, Italy, France? Um... Not necessarily new players, but just players that you think might have an impact on the tournament. Yeah, with England, probably Freddie Stewart at, at fullback is, is one. Um, Marcus Smith 
a 10 obviously they get their first kind of six nations campaign and it's fascinating that Owen Farrell's not there to be the the guiding dominant influence and it looks like a new England team almost doesn't it obviously there's some experience there Courtney Laws is missing as well so Tom Curry takes over the captaincy and it's kind of hard to gauge exactly how they're going to go it might end up being a good thing for them that they have to kind of shift it on and and have this kind of new wave of of players. Listen, Smith's been absolutely riveting to watch for for Quinns every single weekend. I thought he was good in the November Test series as well, and um, but it is a, a different kind of beast, isn't it? Six Nations rugby, and even that is applicable to Ireland as well. Like Birch has mentioned, their defenses are going to be really aggressive. Oftentimes, there's con- weather conditions to to factor into it as well, uh, and set piece battles and all that kind of kicking contest stuff is really important um, and that'll be massively applicable to Ireland Wales this weekend actually I think the the tie five might be another area where Ireland really go after them uh, and could be a point of difference with their strength in the front row now though um, so yeah those two guys for, for England probably keeping an eye on Scotland are, are another fascinating one and like it, it's just really hard to know where the the confidence has come from in the past at times but they have been building a nice squad under under Townsend and I actually went back through their November stuff um last night just to have another reminder of them they played some really nice rugby uh, and probably have a bit more balance to their team now as well so that for me actually is probably the most fascinating matchup of the the first weekend I really can't wait for that game in Murrayfield because I just don't know about this England team and, and what they're going to offer it could be absolutely outstanding or they could really miss the the bits of experience that have been kind of shorn of them first time I've ever been a little bit wary of Scotland coming into a Six Nations Birch purely by dint of the fact that when Stuart Hogg was asked can they win the tournament he said we're not looking beyond England usually the answer to that question <laughs> is unequivocally yes um what do you make of the Scots like can they actually be contenders this year after I'm not going to say years of promise because as Murray alludes to, it was kind of promise that they invented themselves, but we've certainly seen uh, progression in their game over the last couple of years. Can it come good uh, this season? Oh, absolutely. I think it can. I think that on paper, they have a strongest team I've seen. Um, they have confidence, um, but built on, on decent performances. The two, uh, the two pro sides are, are better than they were. They were last year. Um, they've done well with the uh, project player, um, you know, being able to get guys in who who maybe didn't come through, didn't come through the, the Scottish underage system, and I think Alan's on or AB's on the who was the skills coach in Toulouse. He's now the attack coach. I think he's given him a little bit more in attack. Um, and he's certainly I'm friends with him. He's certainly enjoying it. He he feels they're in a really good place. Um, so yeah, I know that sometimes they talk themselves up a little bit, but I think they genuinely have reason to be um hopeful this competition. What about the French perch? Who do you have your eye on from that squad? Because much as is the case with England, they've had to reshuffle pretty significantly from what they would have been planning, I'd imagine. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing um, seeing their team. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, they obviously play Sunday. Um, they have such depth, and there's a lot of there's a lot of players putting their hand up now for you know for World Cup starts um, that maybe aren't really on the radar. The French Federation and the and the LNR, the league, have done a great job of. Of turning around what what was a, a really dysfunctional system in terms of uh, a bias towards non-French qualified, and uh, they've got that right now, and it's it's all the way down to Pro D two, Federal one. Um, there's young French players playing, um, you know, week in week out, and there's a lot of talent. And, and um, the goal of a home World Cup uh, um, was was absolutely massive. That that basically got people in a room engaging and talking um, in a way that people didn't believe could happen because 
it was very much selfish. The French team looked after the French team. The clubs looked after the clubs. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to see how Galtier mixes it up. Um, and he's got so he's got so much talent. But the problem is, is getting to gel, um, getting them to to build on on obviously what they did in November, um, and deal with a bit of expectation now. You know, um, so he's got an experienced coaching staff. Obviously, you know Sean Edwards is in there, but. Galti is a really good technician. Ibanez looks after kind of the the, the man management, um, uh, yeah, and just in a, in a good place. So yeah, I'm 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 over there Sunday. So I I can't wait to see at the end at the end of the tournament who are the, the ten guys that you'd say France are going to build a team around because I still don't think I don't think that's locked in yet. Um, so but yet the players who who are in the extended squad have seen seen opportunities now whether it was down to Australia last year with, with so many frontliners rested and um, yeah they look to be in a, in a really healthy place they're home to Italy at the start of France on Sunday Murray just a word on Italy is it going to be another season for them where we can actually make an argument for their making progress and yet they just are too far away to get a result yeah probably uh, being realistic about it but they have really Slowly but really surely, I think turned around that squad and and um, I suppose modernized it with an influx of young players who are quality players with like really high level potential. I think even someone like Lamaro captaining them now, like he's getting better and better in the back row. Obviously, Garbisi's over in Montpellier and he's not been perfect when he's played, but he's learning really important lessons at a higher level there because, as we've mentioned before, top 14, when you're playing week in, week out, it's like European competition every single week. Um, and that kind of exposure is really valuable. So <clears throat> it looks like Kieran Crowley is going to drive on with that more youthful group. And that's a real positive, I think. You'd just love to see them get close. Like Kieran Crowley at the Six Nations launch was was answering questions about relegation and promotion again. And and he said he'd, he'd welcome it just to almost shut people up a little bit and um um it was yeah it was interesting to hear him talk about that but you would love to see them get a bit closer and be a bit more competitive it's such a tough opening game though and, and as Bert said it, it's fascinating to see who France select like you kind of presumed you had their 15 in mind then you look at some of the players they've released even from their their camp ahead of this weekend and there's some really high quality international players in there I'm hoping that Melvin Jaminet gets to go uh, in this Six Nations at fullback. He's been class, hasn't he, since coming in last summer against the Aussies. Um, and a guy who was playing in Pro D2, wasn't he, at that stage, Birch? And he'd just taken off. I think he signed for Toulouse. And, and there's a guy who could kind of, who has really, I suppose, come from nowhere in, in most people's eyes to, to be a star. Uh, we, as I say, we'll get into some of those other countries in a little bit more detail later on on Zoom, but for our listeners and viewers on YouTube, call a winner for us for the tournament, Murray, starting with yourself. Les Bleus. Interesting. Birch? Le Mem. Same. <laughs> Ireland have a great chance, but I, I, I just think um, France have the best depth um, and obviously I think they're home to Ireland and, and, and England, so... Um, yeah, and I think they've got momentum. I think they've got confidence, which they haven't had for a long time. They've got real confidence. Uh, obviously, Toulouse being uh, double champions as well, that'll feed into that. Um, they believe in the staff. They're chasing, as I said, silverware now and momentum. So I think they're in a good place. And you're right, Ireland do have a good chance. And, and they should be putting a bit of pressure on themselves to, to go and do this now off the back of a really good November. kind of almost has... I know Ireland didn't win in, in 2013, but when they nearly beat the All Blacks in 2013, you, f you felt a kind of bit of a bounce in the group and it, and it rolled into the 2014 Six Nations and they did a really good job in that. 
a Grand Slam, I think this year more than any is going to be really tough. Um, so you can maybe absorb a, one of those one of those away defeats if if they if if that comes maybe even against France in round two and you can rebound from that and and go again. Um, so yeah, they should they should actually be putting a bit of pressure on the group. And I've no doubt that they are completely targeting that. Like they won't answer questions about it really. But a few of the younger guys have mentioned you know not being afraid to to go after it so they're right in the hunt and it, it's going to be fascinating to see how it ends up they've Scotland at home on the last weekend and how unbelievable would that be after all we've been through with empty stadiums to to have a full house against the Scots going for a championship on the last day it'll be absolute magic yeah I don't remember looking forward to it Six Nations quite as much as this one it's going to be absolutely fantastic we will chat about it again later on on Zoom it's members.the42.e if you want to join us there Murray transfer news and Malachi Fekitoa's signing from Munster is, I mean, let's be honest, it's a replacement for Damien Dierlanda. He, he is almost certainly leaving. Um, I kind of looked at the reaction to it and like, I think it's a, a good signing. I love watching him play. I understand, in fairness, that people would have concerns around, um, I suppose, his injury profile and things like that. But, you know, decent age. Uh I don't know. I just saw a load of people going, absolutely brilliant signing, and others kind of going, um, yeah, no, there could be issues there in terms of just, I don't know, playing for Tonga, injuries, the like. Which side do you come down on, or are you somewhere in the middle? Yeah, I think it's exciting. I cannot wait to see him play. It'll be um, brilliant for, for Munster fans to have such an exciting attacking player. He's definitely a different profile to Dialende, who's obviously an outstanding inside centre. Fekito's a 13 incredible kind of individual attacking skills his offloading game his ability to pick good lines acceleration where you think he, he has a defender in front of him he just kind of swerves to the outside of him he can distribute as well and when he hits like he hits really really hard um if he, he if he gets a good read on he can he can really engine leave your ribs in pain i'd say for several weeks so all those things are exciting and um it probably means a shift for, for for Chris Farrell, you'd imagine, maybe into 12 at times next season, although Rory Scanlon's been playing really well there the last while and will be pushing hard for that spot. I suppose the only reservation you have alongside all that is like, is it exactly what Munster really need? Like we've spoken how many times on this pod about Hooker Tighthead, it'd be great to see them get a really heavyweight, heavy power addition in one of those positions. Um, and there's been a bit of chat that they are looking for that. There's also chat that they're having to cut their budget ahead of next season. I think you mentioned that before, Birch. So how much scope there is to, to go out and sign someone else, I, I don't know at this stage. You just hope that, you know, he's harnessed in the best way possible and he gets a consistent uh, flow of front football to, to play off. As Birch mentions, those ball carriers are are everything. If you get that flow into your attack, then the likes of Fekitoa can absolutely rip things up. But you look at the, the brilliance of the individuals in Munster's backline for the last number of years and maybe they haven't got the utmost out of them. Um, so that's the only... A reservation there he's he's played quite a good few games over the last number of years in, in Toulon and Wasps he's had injury issues there, here and there maybe a couple of poor performances dotted amongst some big impact ones but um, I think the Tonga thing is, is brilliant I think it's great that he's going to be a part of their squad um, obviously it was a divisive issue but Tonga are one of the ones who are going to benefit from it and as we said being in Ireland's World Cup so he could be playing against some of his Munster teammates um, if they can confirm that qualification as well so definitely two sides to it but I personally really excited to see him um, playing in a red jersey I think he's going to add a lot of enjoyment for fans and, and that kind of signing it is important because you want those kind of stardust X-Factor players in your squad Bernard your thoughts? Yeah, I agree. Everything Murray said, I think he is a good signing. Um, and I, I think, in fairness, once again, the, the Munster money men have 
have gone out and spent uh, and 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 haven't tried to um, to go cheap. So um, and, and Munster deserve to have you know top end uh, non Irish qualified players come in to add to um, the local talent. So yeah, I, I think it's 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 a good sign. Very sort of lost, I suppose, in the shadow of the Six Nations is Ulster and Connacht, uh, and obviously both teams. I think have. Uh, do both teams have internationals coming back? I'm pretty sure they do. I'm trying to think off the top of my head. You'll be able to inform us. Keen Brender gets back from, from camp yes. for, for Connacht. Balakloon. Yeah. Balakloon's going up, isn't he? Yeah, Balakloon's back as well. Um, all of a sudden, again, it feels like a crucial game for Connacht, doesn't it? Obviously, it's important. Like, every game is important. But yeah. they're kind of talking this up as a must-win. And I don't know. It's a bit of a strange one, I guess, in the sense that you're going to be missing, say, guys like Aki. And yet it could be uh, a season-defining game as such. Yeah, definitely, Gav. And absolutely required that they bounce back from last weekend. Like, obviously, Six Nations is dominating now, but just briefly to run over, it was one of their worst performances under Andy Friend against Glasgow. He said as much after afterwards. He was more disappointed, I think, than any time in his tenure so far. They probably feel like they rolled over at, at home and Glasgow just got on top of them and, and as we saw, finished strongly. So he absolutely needs a response from his players and I'd be shocked, absolutely shocked if they don't get it. They'll be stinging all week from that. Tom Daly back in midfield, I think is a boost. He's been brilliant for them when he's played. Prendergast, as we said, coming back from his experience in Ireland camp will only boost his already kind of flowing confidence. Dennis Buckley starting again. That's great to see. Um, So there's, all sorts of reasons for him to be able to to bounce back here. The only issue is that Ulster, obviously at home on a Friday night, they tend to play well in these games. Balakoon is a is a boost. Larry's a boost at fullback. Timney comes back onto the bench after being in Ireland camp as well. So they've got lots of quality there. Um, and we'll be absolutely cognizant of the fact that this is a really important fixture, even if it is a little bit away from the, the limelight. I have to say, I can't wait for the Friday night. It'll be hard picking between the two with the, the 20s playing as well. It's a nice... Um, assortment of appetizers before the, the the big main course at the weekend with six nations so class to have this kind of rugby on a friday night uh, it'll be a really hotly contested interpro and it's pivotal for for both of them really but i would just say for connacht absolutely have to get a response to to last weekend's disappointment i was actually really looking forward to ulster and connacht and you've just reminded me that i'm going to most great park for the 20s game so i'll have to split screen it <laughs> uh birch talk to us about the game from ulster's perspective like the impressive start to the season we know all of this and like the good win again i suppose uh last weekend but from say dan mcfarland's point of view and all of the coaching staff you know like that a, a Connacht are going to bring this backlash I mean it's almost 100% guaranteed does that change say the mental preparation of your team at all like how do you kind of account for the fact that not only is this Connacht but actually it's an angry and dangerous Connacht if you know what I mean yeah well look I think one from an Ulster point of view they'll remember and, and talk a lot about what happened in the Viva um for the return fixture the fact that our Connacht won in in Ravenhill last year, um, there'd be a, a bit of a fresh, freshness to the team, um, the Ulster team uh, for the weekend, and, and it's an Irish derby. So, like, even though Ulster are going well, I don't, I don't, I certainly don't think that they'll they'll go into this game um, under any illusions that's going to it's going to be hard. I think there's look, you know, obviously Connor saying it's a must win game. I actually don't think they need to win it, um, but they need to have. Um, a lot more resistance um, than they had last weekend, and and I think I was I was really shocked. And and look, that's probably something that's going to have to come with maturity of being able to come out of Europe, where obviously 
you know, it's it's um, a lot of pressure, a lot of hype, and then to back it up the week after. Um, and, you know, they've, they've had two very disappointing performances at home, the Dragons at home, um, and then obviously at the weekend against Glasgow. And, and that'll drive Andy Friend and, and the coaches mad because the biggest thing they want to be is uh, is consistent. So, um, and I, I also think, um, you know, they really, they really rely on Bundy and, and Jack Carty to keep them together. So they need other leaders to stand, step up this week and make sure they go to Ravenhill and uh, and put in a, a a really good performance. Call it for us, Murray. Ulster at home, they'll win. Birch? Yeah, same. Unfortunately, yeah, same. I think that's uh, it's a safe call to make, but I think he, he couldn't back Connacht on form. I'm going to play it safe all the time now after writing off Mac Hansen. <laughs> Especially when I bring receipts on every podcast, yeah. Um, <laughs> I deserve that one, I deserve that one. No, no, I mean, things change. B- Bernard, what did you make of Leinster last weekend? Like, again, I think just because the Six Nations is looming, defeats like that can, as much as they absolutely piss off everybody at Leinster, they can almost slip the radar in a more mainstream sense, you know what I mean? Yeah. Were there any concerns there, or was it just one of those games that you just kind of have to put behind you and crack on? Yeah, look, it's, it's, it is a concern because... Um, Leinster have been very good at going away from home no matter who plays and, and getting results but um, I thought Cardiff deserve a lot of credit uh, Di Young has done a great job there um, they were bouncing you know they've, they've had a little bit of um, well, they've had a lot of disruption during the during the Europe um, you know we're getting guys from, from the Welsh Premiership to go play getting uh, Dan Fish out of retirement and fairness to them like they got well beaten, but they they played some great stuff away to Quinns, um, at home to Quinns, um, and and played some good stuff at home to Toulouse as well. Um, so they they look to be in a good place. Uh, and having signed Fallatow and Liam Williams, um, kind of seeing the crowd there, kind of you know it's amazing. Like they got rid of the blues from their name, so now a lot of the Cardiff RFC fans are are back on board. Um, obviously Cardiff RFC have a huge history identity it's the capital city um you know it's it's basically cardiff arms is in the middle of cardiff so on a friday night or a saturday night that place will be it'll be buzzing so um i think Car- wales are, are cardiff are in a decent spot and going to get better so there's no shame in losing to them i think the big issue was um what cardiff sh- Car- look at it, it's one thing doing it against that team but doing it against internationals is a little bit is a lot harder but they were very good at the defensive breakdown um, their kicking game was was really accurate, and they found grass and and found found their their teammates uh, a lot. kept kept trying little chips over the top, um, and put Leinster in a lot of pressure. And then at set piece time, um, Leinster didn't have a, a solid scrum. And I know I said it against the head the other night, but I think Michael Alato is a great signing, um, and he is a more of a baller um, than Michael Bent. But Michael Bent was absolutely invaluable to Leinster um, for nights like last Friday night going away to to, to Cardiff or, or Edinburgh or Glasgow you knew you had a rock solid scrum um, and in fairness Alatoa will get there Michael Bent at the start struggled a little bit it's, it's just becoming familiar with the different um, scrummaging styles in, in, the, in the URC um, but yeah it'll take him a little while to get there and that's what really killed him um, you know they weren't secure on their own ball. Um, Cardiff were able to uh, to win a couple of key penalties, and um, yeah, I think that's just that that's just the nature of of bringing in a a tight head who 
who has to adjust to that competition, even though he's a very good player. Yeah, and in fairness, Bert, I think you said that even about Bent when he was departing. You know, it's not something you're only flagging now in retrospect. Um, Murray, your thoughts on Leinster's performance? Like, uh, I suppose going into an international international break on the back of a defeat, in a way, might be ideal just to sort of galvanise people and. Um, you kind of have the bit between your teeth, I'd imagine, if you're still involved with your province training away during those weeks and so on. Uh, but beyond, say, being insecure on their own ball, was there anything there that they'll feel as though they need to iron out? Or again, was it just, listen, Cardiff are the story here. Good performance by them and good win. Yeah, and absolutely they deserve a huge credit for that. And it is a nice boost for, for Welsh rugby to see that just before they go into it. I suppose there's a bit of a formula there now, isn't there? Um like everyone who's beaten Leinster in the last three years, there's eight times now they've kicked more than Leinster um, by a fair bit. And that's not just kicking the ball away. That, as Bert said, that's chips in behind. You sort of kick past try. You've got to have a big big element of that to your game. The breakdown has been a huge team in the games they've lost. They've been like heavily outscored in terms of breakdown turnovers in the, the eight defeats they've had. Um, teams have been really good at not turning the ball over easily to Leinster in those defeats as well and and Leinster often thrive off that as well as being ultra ultra disciplined and not giving them that kind of access into the game and as as Birch mentions the, the set piece as well so there's little indicators there of, of where teams have been able to to beat them they'll also really rue I think there was a period in the first half where they they missed three or four visits into the 22 and they were way more wasteful than than they usually are and it would have been a a big period of, of momentum in the game to, to put them into a good, strong winning position. And you tend to focus on that frenetic final passage, which clearly and literally was decisive. But that first half um, passage as well for me was was massive in the in the game as well. So, yeah, I don't think Leinster will be panicking, but it won't be sitting easily with them. It's been such a frustrating campaign. It almost feels like they haven't really got up and running. They've had the, the defeat at home to Ulster as well, which has sat so poorly with them and the, the European games as we mentioned at the time they're just they weren't contests and they didn't learn anything from it so we're waiting for this kind of season to get up and running to to Leinster's former standards um, and and I'll be one they're desperately eager to bounce back from we'll call it there gents for the time being but we'll see you in a couple of hours Bernard thank you thank you Murray thank you cheers Gav I don't think even the most diehard Munster fans could complain no, about we... too much I'll sum up their game job done <laughs> Uh, I actually, yeah, 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 true enough. Jesus, I, it completely slipped my mind, so fair play. That one would <laughs> be forgotten by anyone, to be fairness. It wasn't It wasn't the, the best game. <laughs> Birch has left the building, and that is all we've got time for. We'll be back later on, as I say. Squidge is joining us for uh, Zoom preview of the Six Nations. The lads are going to do analysis set pieces. We're going to field all of the 42 members' questions, loads of those. Going to have a back and forth conversation. It's a normal Zoom call. And uh, we're really, really looking forward to that. Just to let you know that the 42 GAA Weekly has returned. Hurling and football shows with our new signing, Morris Brosnan. We're delighted to have Morris on board. He will be joined for the hurling by Anthony Nash and for the football by Marco Shea. So looking forward to getting stuck into that. Spring is here, I think we can safely say and we're looking forward to Six Nations kickoff over the weekend we will chat to you over the weekend if you remember and next Thursday if not mind yourselves in the meantime enjoy